Welcome to the Bible Leadership Podcast. As we near the end of the year, we thought it would be fun to take a look back at the preaching highlights of 2019. We hope that the Lord uses this content to encourage you. Merry Christmas from all of us at the BLP, and thanks for listening. Goals are a dream with a deadline, but if that goal is not attached to an actual schedule, it's, it's just a dream. Nothing happens if it just stays a wish. And God's heart is not for us to just have wishes. It's for us to fulfill visions. That's what he wants us to do. And I got to tell you, my friend, just, just let this challenge you. If you can't write it out, it's not really a goal. If you can't articulate it with a pen or with a keyboard, I, I would question, that sounds more like a wish, man. You're, just, you're vaguely hoping something similar happens or something happens. What is it you're trying to see happen? Friends, don't settle for spiritual apathy. Like, you can be delivered of that. And it's gonna, it might take a little work. In other words, most of the things you're going to be delivered from is not because someone laid hands on you and prayed, oh, Lord, deliver them. And I'm not saying God never uses that, but most of the time, it's because you're going to be reading God's word and, and just whoosh, the power of the word is going to like, boom, some shackle's going to fall off. I've known that for like 10 years and boom, now I get it. Like now it's there because of your encounter with God's word on a daily or at least almost daily basis. So here's some good news. No matter what you're going through, God is determined. If you belong to Jesus Christ, he's going to win. You're going to be conformed to the image of Christ. You're going to look just like a little mini Jesus when God's got it all said and done. Like that's how this is going to work. No matter what happened, no matter who hurt you, no matter who forgot about you, no matter what didn't happen, like God is going to make sure that you are conformed to the image of Christ. That's his business. That's what he's preparing you for right now. Somebody shout, glory, God's preparing me. Purify yourself. Cleanse yourself. And here's why. Because, my precious, there's things that can't go into the promised land that are from Egypt. There's things you did in Egypt, okay, when you were young, and even when you got saved and came out, okay, and you had some little patterns that you kind of nursed, and, and they weren't really good, and God was patient with them for a while, and, you know, until you were a toddler, until finally he said, listen, man, for you to get across that river, you got to let that stuff go because Egyptian stuff doesn't live in the promised land. And I can't let you bring it with You'll mess up the promised land. So you got to die to that stuff. you got to become a person concerned with inward integrity. That means an integrated life. That means my life comes together. What I say is, is about the same as what I do. Who I present to folks is really who I am when no one's even around. That's integrity that the Lord is trying to grow us through. And he says, I'm sorry, you're not going to make the jump over Jordan. You can't make it until you purify yourself. Here's what I know. God is going to be faithful to you. That's what he's going to do. He can't do anything else. So, dude, you can just write it down. I don't even know what it is. But I know God is going to be faithful to me. He can't not. Just like he parted the waters before, he will part the waters again. That's what he does. He's in the faithfulness business, and his faithfulness today foretells his faithfulness in the future. That's how it works, yo. My friends, the law of God is actually freedom. That's what it is. It's the framework for understanding, am I doing the will of God or am I not doing the will of God? That's what it is for. We should still value it, even though I know this is not why I am right with God. His smile is on me. His affection is for me. But because I want to bless him, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to have a Sabbath because it is blessed, but really because I don't want to hurt him. I just want to do what my father wants me to do. It's an old saying, but still true. The law leads you to Christ. 
because you can't fulfill the law. And Christ rescues you from the law, but then Christ points you back to the law to be sanctified. It says, hey, you want to train your heart and your conscience to do what is right? Do that, knowing that I'm the one who actually forgives you. For, for those of you who are Christians, how does it make sense that you would trust Jesus for your salvation, but you wouldn't trust him with your money? Because those seem disproportionate to me. Like, if you're trusting him with your salvation, this is what we mean. That means you're going to stand before God the Father, and you're going to say, I know that I broke your law again and again and again and again and again, but I trust that Jesus Christ is going to get me out of the penalty for this because of the blood that he shed on that cross. He gives me his obedient record, and he takes all my sin and takes the punishment for that on the cross. And you're, you're banking your entire eternity on that. You trust him for that, right? That sounds like a big deal. But you don't trust him with your money? Whatever you want God to bless, put him first in that area. It, it, it works for just about anything. What do you want God to bless? Okay, do you want to, him to bless your family? Put God first in your family. Do you want God to bless um, your business? Put God first in your business. Do you want God to bless your relationships? Okay, make Jesus Christ the central focus or the hub of all your relationships. Do you want God to bless your money? Put God first in your financial life. Evil has been sown into the world this whole time. And God says, I cannot pretend that I love everybody if I don't answer all the evil that has been perpetrated against me and against those I love. There is an answer and it overcomes evil. And when it happens, there is a roar in heaven of cheers and praise like the sound of running waters. People are like, yes, this is righteous. This is good. This is holy. Hitler and everybody like him has been answered definitively and evil is gone and no more because of God's love and God's justice are the same thing. The peace of God, we're going to find out, is actually not the result of answered prayers. It's the result of praying. Let's think about that for a second. The peace of God is actually, it's not the result of answered prayers. Like you don't get the peace of God once that prayer finally gets answered. And hopefully it does. I hope it does. But that's actually not where the peace of God enters. It enters long before that when we're actually praying. So we're going to talk about how that impacts our anxiety and how we need to, um, as a people, decide we're going to bring our worries to God. Because when we do, we're going to experience a couple things. We're going to, going to experience confidence in God's power. That just means I know somebody who has all power, knows about it, and is on it. But I'm also going to experience the comfort of his presence. This is where the one who has the most power is like cooling me out and making me know that everything is okay because the answer to anxiety is not less stress, but more of the peace of God. Your feelings are not to be... Dude, your feelings can change overnight. Your feelings can change with a nap or an apple. You, You know what I'm saying? Like your feelings cannot be trusted. You need something that is firm and true. You need God's opinion, not your opinion. You need to know, hey, man, what's going to stand the test of time? And the enemy will work very hard to keep you and I preoccupied and distracted with our feelings. It says, if you live according to my laws and obey my commands, I will send rain at the right time. And I'm reading that at the right time, and I like trip over. Like, it's like the Spirit of God said, hold, read that again. And, I, you know, I don't even know what he's talking about at first. I'm like, okay. And, then, you know, I read it again. Hold, go back and read. You ever, I don't know if you ever had this. I'm not trying to spook you up, but you get a little, a little stop in your spirit of like, no, you're just trying to get your chapters done. I'm trying to talk to you, boy. Listen, 
at the right time. And, and he began to bring to my remembrance, you know, there's all kinds of places where Kenzie and I have been praying for a certain amount of provision in a certain area. And he was just telling me through this rhema ray, it was written to a different people at a different time, but he's using his Holy Spirit to communicate a rhema word to me right now. And he's saying, um, I will send rain at the right time. What was he saying? He was saying, Carter, I know what you need. I've heard you. And at the right time, I'll send my rain on your life. Let's pretend that you and your father go down to the beach and it's a beautiful day and you're, you, you know, you're having a little picnic on the beach and there's this boat that is not too far from the shore and your father says, you don't want to go in that boat. There's dangerous things out there, but you wait till your father isn't looking and you sneak off out into the boat and then you notice once you're in there, oh my word, there are sharks all around me now and they begin to nudge the boat until finally the boat flips, you hit your head and you go out. A little while later, you wake up on the shore and you see your father's body completely mauled by sharks dead on the beach. You look at yourself and you're okay. That's what Jesus did for you. That's what happened. You did betray his command and then he died in your place to take the punishment. Maybe most treacherous thing in the world you could ever do is then to say, that's good, and then go back and get in the boat. It's so human of us to question our value. It's so common of us. You know, the world doesn't necessarily value us much. Definitely doesn't value us the way that Christ values us. And even Jesus, I mean, we all know this. Can we just own this? Jesus is invisible, dude. And so it's not always easy to receive encouragement from him. It's a, it's a big faith walk. Here, we walk by faith. But then we will walk by sight. And Jesus wants us to know, I so value you, you will never question your value to me again. Where if I were the devil, I would try to convince you to under-consider the reality of hell. If I were the devil, I would try to tell you hell isn't real, and even if it is, you don't need to take it that seriously. And as a matter of fact, um, people can pretty much do whatever they want. Why don't you just live for yourself and do whatever? And it doesn't really matter if you live a selfish and self-centered life, and it doesn't really matter if you embrace no sacrifice whatsoever. It doesn't really matter if you live in the fear of God or not, because you're just going to get a bye and a wink and all that. And it doesn't really matter if you don't have any urgency at all about sharing with your family and friends the good news of a God who loves them so much that he'd rather take the justice for them so they can get out of jail free and be with him forever in heaven. If I was the devil, I would try to convince you just don't even think about it. There's a second myth. Suffering means that God is mad at you. This is where some of us get sometimes. Like you make a mistake and you're like, well, God's mad at me. I guess I should suffer for a while. If I suffer, you know, a little while will go by and then God will be happy with me again. Um, sorry, dude, that, that's not how that works at all, okay? That's the opposite of the gospel, okay? The, the gospel is that God brought peace to you through Jesus Christ. He's not mad at you. In fact, he took all the madness he could ever have at you and he poured it out on Jesus Christ on the cross. So the madness is gone. He's not mad at you. Okay? Now, he may use suffering to draw you close to his heart. That's one of the things that he does. But it doesn't mean that he's mad at you. A non-generous Christian is an oxymoron. Dude, this is who we are. This is what the Jesus people do. Do you know that every year we give thousands and thousands of dollars away 
We give it to rescue mission type things. We give it to people in trouble. We give it to victims of hurricanes. We, we give money. And you know, we're not rich as a church. It's not because, wow, we found a trunk load of extra money. What do we do? That is not why we do it. We do it because that's what Jesus' people do. We have to do it. That's what we're commanded to do. That's how we represent. You say, Carter, I don't have the courage to share my faith. Okay, well, have the courage to live it. Have the courage to at least do the things that we're supposed to do because here's what you're going to figure out after a while. It's so much more valuable to have obedience and character than to have false security and a fleeting, shaking thing called money. In that moment, they stopped and they said, I really feel like God wants you to know you are more than the sum of your failures. And that was such balm to my soul. You are more than the sum of your failures. Because that's how I'd seen myself. All I am is everything I've done wrong. And the way I've let people down. And the way I've hurt people. And I needed that word from God to say, that happened. Sure, you've had enough anguish about it now. You don't need to walk in shame about it. You just need to receive that I see so much more on you. And there's still hope for you. There's still more for you to do. And maybe I just want to encourage that for somebody today. Um, you are so much more than the sum of your failures. God has so much more. God is a God who forgives and he redeems even the bad stuff. Like, like a coach is one of the first people that's outside of your family, but hopefully they demonstrate like belief in you, right? Like a good coach is like, I, I see your potential, but because they see your potential, coaches, good coaches, they'll give you a little push, right? They won't just leave you to kind of, linger where you are. They're like, hey man, there's more from you. So I'm going to give you a little push. And God is a trustworthy coach. And so he'll stretch us. He'll push us to get us in shape. Did you know you've been given a measure of faith? Now for some, you know, God gives different measures to different ones. He might give you a half a scoop. Okay. When you start out, he might give you four cups. Like we've all got different amounts of faith and it really doesn't matter how much you start with because God wants to stretch it. You want to say, okay, I gave you that much, but now I'm going to lead you into this obstacle, or I'm going to lead you into this opportunity where I'm asking you to believe, to actively, aggressively believe, and it's going to be a stretch.